0: I went to a marvelous party. Air, Max, most people don't even know the fact. The underlying they go
1: with their ideas gut don't have enough depth to last an entire season.
0: <laughs> Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time.
1: Fine, you first, Eric. <laughs>
0: Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. A
2: spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, in a most
3: delightful way.
1: We're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And tonight we are doing Summer Movie movie Madness. Madness.
0: (laughs) Wee-ha! As you could probably tell, maybe, from our rather insane introduction there.
1: Well, you know, we're mad all the time. Do you remember when Patricia Nell Warren came into the studio and called us madmen? She had been listening to our show out in the lobby and she said... You guys are madmen. We really are. <laughs> and I don't know if she meant it as a compliment. We crazy <laughs> and not like uh, 1960s Banana Republic clothing line madmen from no. that show on AMC. No,
0: angry young men. Angry. Except not
1: as young as we used to be. Angry Just maybe men. mostly angry. But the thing that we get the most passionate about are
0: movies. Absolutely. We can get so upset that we end up yelling if movies don't go our way or badly scripted or disappoint us. I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. I remember going our me. visit to Prometheus was oh, God. We were so upset. We, we were, were so sorry. excited about Prometheus and we were so upset. We actually went to see, we went to lunch and then went to see another movie. But we did. To kind of take the experience away because we were so disappointed. It was beautiful, but like, What were they thinking?
1: Yeah, I know. There has not been a Promethean-level disappointment this summer, I don't think. We've had some movies that have overperformed. We've had movies that have underperformed, and we're going to talk about those later in the show with Ted Johnson, who is back.
0: Absolutely. Our... Daily variety—it's not daily variety. It's not daily, it's variety, not so daily, it's
1: daily variety anymore. Just variety,
0: maybe. I don't know. We'll have to ask him what they call it v-
1: over there. It's, its web-based, whatever it is. But we'll talk to him. about I don't about think what entirely.
0: I just think they don't have the, the the weekday. We'll ask
1: Ted. We'll ask him. We'll find Ted'll Ted know.
0: It's his job.
1: And so he's going to be here to talk about the economics of the summer movie season and and all those sorts of things, as and well and
0: then... as his personal preferences and any skinny he's got. Uh, gonna...
1: sometimes it's hard to get that out of him. He's very, you know, he's a journalist. He tries to be unbiased. Well, I don't
0: think he covers that side of things as much. I right. think he's more about the business. It's a big business, right. and I think he covers that mostly. Anyway, so we'll have all that whatever inside information we can get out of Ted. And, and you know, he's a regular guy. He likes going to the movies in the summers, too. So we'll yeah. find out what his favorite picks are and what he's Absolutely. looking forward to.
1: And also, you and I. You and me. We. Isn't are not a song. You and I. You, you and, and me. Die. We, 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 we. We are going to present our favorite summer movies. Of all time. Of all time. And we're looking for yours.
0: If you have a favorite summer movie, we'd love to hear about
1: it. Absolutely. Post Post it on the Facebook Facebook page. Absolutely. So now we're going to go to a brief word from one of our sponsors and then our special correspondent Miss Jonell Sams is here with a special report. Oh, Jonell, talking about the movies. Movie Absolutely. madness comes to pause and crake. And uh, I hear Jordan went solo this week that you're not, you didn't well, record with I'm Jordan? Well, I'm adjacent
0: but yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to keep my distance from him. He's a, he's a lot. You don't work with him as directly I, as I do. It's it's I, a special yeah. challenge. I needed, okay. you know, a little summer vacation from all right. Jordan.
1: All right, all right. Well, now it's time time for a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Miss Jonelle Sams. They have seized the largest shopping mall in America. They have one objective, to hold hundreds of men, women, and children hostage while they force our government to weaken our defenses. But what they didn't count on was one man. A highly trained battle-scarred ex-Special Forces operative, with time in the Secret Service, who, through a series of preposterous plot devices, has somehow wound up working as a security guard at this very mall. His name is... John Protocol? I can't stand that guy! Who cares, Madam Bureaucrat? He's our only eyes on the ground! I know, but does it have to be... Him. He's trained in five different forms of physical combat. I know, but he's so rude. He's already killed five of the terrorists. Yeah, but we fired him, right? Yeah, and I'm not really sure why. He's uh. asking our SEAL team outside the mall to try to get a stash of artillery through one of the ventilation ducts so we can stage an assault on the terrorist nerve center inside Oh, the no, center. no,
0: no, no, thank you. If he wants to be all I'm Mr. Rogue Terrorist Killer, he can get his own own
1: gun madam bureaucrat at the risk of sounding insubordinate our country is at stake here he
0: insulted me during a congressional hearing he
1: insulted your shoes they were great shoes
0: madam bureaucrat oh fine if you want to save the world with this guy again be my guest but i'm just going to sit right here and throw ridges in the plot when the action inside them all Flags. Okay?
1: In a world where the audience for action films is made up mostly of deluded white men who all believe they're super geniuses and it's really just their managers and supervisors holding them back, Hollywood brings you another tale of petty, childish, disconnected politicians who inexplicably obstruct the extraordinary feats of a man whose skills at saving the world are practically supernatural. This summer, it's... John Protocol. Are we really not going to help this man? He's already saved the world nine times. They were great Jews. Once again, for The Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hey, this is Jonelle
0: Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, care of The Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at jonelle at the dinner party show dot com. Movies. <laughs> Movies are to dating what the kill jar is to bug collecting. Once you've found your butterfly, how do you make it last? I like to iron mine between sheets of wax paper. They look so lovely stuck up on the window panes above my kitchen sink. Wouldn't it be nice if we could preserve relationships between sheets of wax paper? Life can be trickier than bug collecting, but it doesn't have to be. In relationships, we often devote all our time and energy to catch in our butterfly and give no thought to preserving it. We dress nice and fix our hair. Maybe we lose a little weight, join a gym. Maybe we even go. (laughs) Then we spend time coming up with romantic dates. We bring our special ones special gifts to make sure they know just how special they are. Merle, who is now my husband of 23 blissful years, was especially fond of anthurium and pink rosebuds. But, sadly, once we meet our special one and get into a relationship, especially marriage, we often quit trying. The old expression is, why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? But how many of us would quit feeding the cow once we got it home? Why do we stop dating once we get married? Well, (laughs) the obvious answer is because we don't have anything left to talk about. Dating is all about meeting and getting to know each other. And let's face it, after a few years of marriage, what else could we possibly still need to say to one another? Why, other than pass the salt or watch out for that bus, Merle and I sometimes go for days or weeks without speaking a word. Our time together, all these years later, is mostly long stretches of contented, easy silence. So, how to date someone you no longer need to talk to? Dining out? Well, honestly, why pay money just to read at the same table? It's every bit as easy to do that at home and better still in front of the TV. We've tried things like picnics, but I'm on the record about picnics. I just end up trapping taxidermy specimens while Merle picks flowers and tolerates being outside. Fishing is right out. Once the boat stops moving, Merle just wants to go home. But the movies, now that's another story. You sit silently, in the dark, transported to a fantasy world that has nothing in common with your own personal reality. Why, at the movies, it's easy to forget that you're there with anyone else at all. It's the perfect date. And with the new Octoplex down to the Poison Creek Mall, Merle can go see a cowboy movie and I can see a nature film or one of my romantic stories. It's made the perfect date even better. Not only is it just like Merle isn't there while we spend time together, he really isn't. And yet, he's just down the hall watching Brokeback Mountain or that FBI picture about Edgar Hoover or that Bradley Cooper summer camp movie or whatever's playing. The movies offer us a way to spend time together without having to say a word to each other or even be in the same theater. Remember, there can't be a crossword if there are no words at all. That sounds like the perfect date to me. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with homemade relationship advice.
1: If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Merle still loves
0: anthurium. Some things you just never get tired of.
1: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show. We'll be the judge of that. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Again. And
0: it's movie madness at The Dinner Party <laughs> Show. <laughs> Yes. Jonelle always has such an original take Ooh, on Jesus things. Christ, and I love things. Judy
1: Garland. Yeah.
0: Dear Mr. Gable.
1: Yeah. No, that was lovely. So, as we said earlier <laughs> in the show, <laughs> and I mean it, babe, love you. Don't ever change. Gotta go click.
3: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I just miss Jonelle Sams. I, I think eventually one of us is going to have to tell her what we believe to be true about her marriage. I think
0: that Jonelle is all about what she believes to be true. I don't (sighs) think that telling her would make any difference. Jonelle lives in a world that she believes in, and that's, I think we all do. I think everybody lives in a world that they believe in, and you can try to disabuse people of as many notions as you want to, but people want to believe what they want to
1: believe. All right. Don't you think? Well, I think that's code for don't tell Jonelle the truth about her marriage is what I think. I think Maybe you can code. go.
0: I think go right ahead and try. I don't think it would work out for you. She had her friend on a couple of weeks ago. I who heard. Literally tried to tell her mm-hmm. from before she got married and Jonelle didn't hear
1: it. Miss Mamie sideburns. Oh, I heard. She I was on.
0: So knock yourself out. Okay. I don't think you'd be the first.
1: Well, what we promised we were going to do earlier in the show was present our own favorite summer movies of all time, not of this summer. Or we
0: threatened to do that. I'm not sure
1: whether it's a promise or a we threat. We threatened. We'll see. Absolutely. And so now
0: that it's time to you know to make good on that threat.
1: Okay, so I'm going to make good on my threat first. Okay. Now I had some ambivalence about presenting this movie because I did not see it during the summer. I was not actually born when it was released you however who are quite older than me so this is actually an age crack it's not actually Christopher talking about a summer movie experience in
0: line. about him making fun of actually This is the first movie that I ever waited in line for. It was like with this movie, the movie industry changed. Like before this, it was fine and I was a big movie lover, but I had never experienced a movie in this way before. And subsequent to this movie, more and more, Mm -hmm. I began to have the experience that we have now, particularly of summer blockbusters, but of the movie industry being this much more event-driven destination, appointment kind of movie going. Yes. That, that, it, that frankly, it never was before this.
1: That's very true. And I, uh, while I saw this movie on VHS as a young boy, it did change the movie industry. And I will tell you right now, the movie is Jaws. Dun,
0: dun, 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 dun,
1: um, I like to say there was my childhood before I saw the opening scene of Jaws, and then there was my childhood after I saw the opening scene. And it is continues to be one of the most well-directed and terrifying movie moments in history, I believe. And we talk about this all the it time. It is terrifying. There's, th- there is one reason. Well, maybe it's not the only reason, but no, there is a pivotal there's reason. There is a reason. Why this there's movie one reason. is so damn good. And it's because the shark didn't, didn't work. work the mechanical shark that they had built for the movie when they were envisioning basically like Godzilla at sea. They they were a true sort of B-monster movie where you were going to see the shark in every shot. And they have concept drawings and storyboards of the shark coming up underneath people in shots where they just couldn't get the mechanical shark to work. Ever. They they got out to Martha's (laughs) Vineyard to shoot this movie. (laughs) They put the shark in the water, and they realized the pneumatic pumps that operated Bruce, which was their nickname for the mechanical shark, these pumps wouldn't operate in salt water.
0: <laughs> You'd think that might have come up before, but yeah. I guess it didn't. We have salt water in California, so Absolutely. I don't know why they didn't plan that. But it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened. Yes. I think this movie would have been relegated to the sort of Sunday afternoon schlock crap B-movie movie Lo- locus for all of yes. its eternity if it had if the shark had actually worked right because they had to go with which what i always think is the scariest thing in movies with the audience's imagination yes. they made this they made this classic film
1: absolutely and that's what was so terrifying about that opening scene to me as a five-year-old is i was imagining what was happening to that woman below the surface that i couldn't see and it was absolutely terrifying. Right. Otherwise, it would just
0: have been gross. I I always have that sort of feeling like I've done enough theater and enough in the films industry and I'm no big star, but I always, when they show the graphic stuff, I always think, well, that's just Karo syrup and food coloring and while it's sort of gross and whatever, I don't have the same kind of, it doesn't really frighten me. It seems sort Mm -hmm. of, I know that it's all made out of rubber and and food coloring and makeup rather than being anything real, but when I don't know, one of the movies I think, is most terrifying in the world is a movie called The Hitcher Mm. with Rutger Hauer and C. Thomas Howell. Not a gigantic movie, but he's this terrifying presence and he does all these terrible things, but they don't ever show you the things. They Mm -hmm. show C. Thomas Howell's reaction to the terrible things that Rutger Hauer, who I think may be one of the most terrifying people I think if if Rodger Howard came into a restaurant, I might scream and run
1: out. <laughs> he, you know, you know, he was Mom's original choice to play Lestat back in the day, back when he was young enough. Back in the yeah, the Blade Runner exactly. days, yeah, the yeah. Blade now Runner
0: he's days. really there's something so s- beautifully sinister about yes. him. He's not ugly, but he's by any means. Mm. But there is a frightening quality to him, and they enhanced it. But again, it was about n- what they didn't show. And yeah. Jaws is certainly the most brilliant.
1: Yeah, I, I, but it, it what here's what it accomplishes. I think in the annals of scary filmmaking, right, is that uh, we both read a book a while ago about screenwriting called Save the Cat, which goes into the dilemma of the monster story, which is that if your human characters don't have a plausible reason to either continue to engage with the monster or go out and defeat the monster, then your story falls apart. Right. And the brilliance of Jaws, which was there in the novel and which has since been copied by almost Every, again and again. Again and again and again is that the very presence of the monster places the community at grave threat. In this case, it's a commercial threat. They're going to lose their beach season business if something, somebody doesn't go out and kill the shark.
0: And beyond that, their relationship to the ocean. Yes. They all live at the ocean. It's a part of their lives. Yes. And even the regulars, even the locals are being right. forbidden fishing or just right. simply participating in their interaction with the sea.
1: Right. You know, like there was recently a remake of the horror film piranha um which i read the script for but i didn't actually have a chance to see because it sounded disgusting
0: never misses a chance to mention that he read i
1: script. always pass myself off as some hollywood insider it was actually jack morrissey who was a guest on the show i, I our, es- our resident expert absolutely i'll go to jack and i will say get me the script for this movie and he got me piranha because i had been um so nuts about the original when i was <laughs> a kid uh, th- 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 once you okay the piranha's in the water get out of the lake the movie's over you know, it's it, that's the the problem that they don't deal with, you know, and that's, you know. And the, with Jaws, there's not that problem. Yeah, exactly. The other
0: thing that I think is brilliant about Jaws that we discovered on a recent uh, movie night reviewing was that it's it's also very funny. It
1: is very funny. There's a
0: lot of really – for the town hall meetings and such, yes. the people in the, the residents of – What is it? Harmony? Isn't that the name of the Amity. Amity Amity Island, yes. Yeah, Amity (laughs) (laughs) Island. Right. uh, Yeah, are actually quite amusing, many of them.
1: Yes, they are. And I think a reason for that is that the other screenwriter, besides Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel, was Carl Gottlieb, who we actually met because when we used to work our local voting or polling place here in West Hollywood, he would come in to vote. One of our regulars. Yeah, and he was a comedian. He was a comic writer. He had written a lot for, um, oh God, what is that? They call it the circuit of upstate clubs, not the Borscht Belt or something like that. Oh, the,
0: right. The, yeah. Well, now you've said all those other things.
1: <laughs> they completely thrown you off. Anyway, that's but where he Catskills. got— The Catskills. The Catskills, right, exactly. And so he brought this, this comic uh, sort of village atmosphere to the piece that wasn't really necessarily there in the novel. The book is very different. The book has a lot of— um, the marriage between Brody and his wife is really bad. And the Richard Dreyfus character, Hooper, the character Richard Dreyfus plays in the movie, he's got an. I think he actually sleeps with Brody's wife. Yeah. And so there's tension when they're out at sea together. Uh, there isn't the famous ending, which, spoiler alert, it is a, what is it, a 40, 50-year-old movie. Um, <laughs> yes. I think you're on your own with this one.
0: Turn it off, turn down the volume for a minute now if you don't want to hear what happens in Jaws.
1: The shark in the novel is killed with a giant harpoon and not with um, the the exploding scuba tank, which has become one of the more famous images yeah, from the movie. Yes, it's such a riot. Which it's actually so... wouldn't happen if you in real life if you shot a scuba tank. And
0: the chances of actually hitting the scuba tank would be slim and none Yeah, at that distance. Even if you could, it wouldn't do what they... But it makes for the big movie explosion. Yeah. Like, the lighting in the novel is also not as good. You know, like, <laughs> one's a movie, and I always say, a book is a book and a movie is a movie, and they are not the same thing, even when you're making a movie of a book. It's a good adaptation. I yeah, think it's absolutely. it captures the spirit of the book without necessarily capturing all of the elements.
1: Absolutely. And I
0: think that it's you can't underestimate... Like while it may not have been part of your experience, this movie followed quickly on the heels of this movie with uh, Star Wars yes. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those movies changed the nation's Absolutely. relationship to going to the movies. Absolutely. The movies were sort of a dying art, and the the explosion of octoplexes the mm-hmm. you know the multiple theaters as Jonell would call it and the um, the and uh, the Just the audience interest. Event films. Event. Yeah, the event Event driven, like you're standing in line for a football game or something. When
1: Star Wars outgrossed Jaws, George Lucas took out an ad in Variety, which we mentioned earlier. Because Ted Johnson will be here. He works for Variety. At the time, it was customary to take out big full-page ads to celebrate the success of your movie. And George Lucas took out an ad that featured an illustration of R2-D2 standing on the bank of the sea – with jaws at the end of a fishing rod that he was holding. (laughs) It was a sort of friendly ribbing from Steven Spielberg to George Lucas.
0: So, yeah, so that's a so that's a great choice, Christopher. Yeah, that's that's a great pick. summer movie pick, even if you didn't see it in the theaters or even in the summer.
1: Absolutely. It is
0: a big summer. It is the first, I think, the first really big summer movie. I don't know when Gone with the Wind came out, but it's not really the same yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, at, towards the end of the show, you're going to bring us your pick. Right, my favorite uh, summer movie. But in the meantime, we're going to take a short break and then we will be back with Ted Johnson from Variety... <laughs> Deputy
4: Ted. Whatever
1: it's called now. So Jaws, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That's me doing the theme under my breath. Mm -mm, (laughs) mm -mm, mm -mm. It's It's, the dance remix of the Jaws theme. Did you
0: drive your parents mad doing that when you were? No,
1: they drove me mad doing it to me. They did the Jaws theme to you? Yes, we would be in a swimming pool and my dad would go, Dad,
4: stop. Dad, no, no, it's scary.
0: You're... You sound a lot like Jordan when you were a kid. I
4: was
1: just thinking that, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah.
0: Your inner child.
1: Jordan ampersand is everyone's inner child. All right, we have a guest. We're ignoring our guest. Yes. We're back and we're here with
0: our wonderful guest, Ted Johnson, deputy editor... Of daily, is it? I always <laughs> want to call. call it, we don't call it daily variety anymore. <laughs> no,
1: no, it's just variety. It's just variety. I want to call you Deputy Sheriff like every just time we <laughs> Deputy Sheriff at Just right. Variety.
0: And I have a new title. It's now Senior Editor. Oh, Senior. Is that because of your age, or is that actually a? a... <laughs> 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 was there pay increase involved? <laughs> no, I think it was.
2: Uh, they just restructured uh, various titles, so. Uh, They found one for me.
0: Fine with me. Well, I think that's very impressive, senior. Yes, I actually like it. I like it a lot better. So, what do you do now? Is it exactly the same Uh, stuff with a different title? Pretty much. Yeah. Month. Yes, but you like doing it anyway, so absolutely, it, absolutely. There's,
2: there's something about being a uh, working print journalist these days where you're, you're one you're, of the you five. Yes, yeah, you feel more a lot, a lot more like a survivor than anything right? else. Yeah, so. it's certainly,
0: it's like winning the lottery at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's select just such a, yeah, it's such a rarefied <laughs> business now,
1: <laughs> dying breed. So, is there a specific office now at Variety that is in charge of fighting with Nikki Fink?
0: <laughs> right? Well, she is part of
1: our company.
2: So, right. uh, Yes, she is part of our company. So just, is she still? So
0: the department is actually trying to get Nikki to stop fighting with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nikki Fink,
1: for those of you who don't know, is She is the founder and was once the owner of Deadline Hollywood, which was the I guess the first really hyper aggressive entertainment industry blog, which kind of changed or was part of the change happening in print journalism?
2: And you have to uh, – you absolutely have to give her that credit because I think it changed the business. It changed the nature of how we cover the mm. entertainment industry and um, – and she really did this on her own. So uh, uh, I actually, you know, I'm I'm totally out of it. Uh, whatever is going on, uh, uh, I just I just don't know. But right. um, but uh, uh, you do have to give her that credit. You know, mm-hmm. she she really has brought entertainment journalism into the digital age. What do you mean you uh, just in. don't know? You're totally out of it.
0: You mean in terms of like the day-to-day gossip or?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, 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 I stay out of it. So too. your it's editors so live in enough. more rarefied air than that. Is that. The... <laughs> yes, yes. It's
0: busy enough <laughs> with
2: what, uh, yeah.
0: what we're doing day The business day-to-day. side of things. Yeah, the business side of actually things. Actually, I think so. is what most people count on variety for anyway. is more of the – I, I think it's always worth noting. I, I think it's startling that – Our number one or number two, depending on how it goes uh, on an annual basis, export in this country is entertainment. Yes. Like it's it's back – it's neck and neck with arms, right? It's either weapons or entertainment. Those are the two things that we sell to the world the most of. And oftentimes the number one export in this country is entertainment. And so it's a huge business – to cover. Yes, uh, it actually is, and
2: I think that um, what speaks to that, you know, because we, summer movies, mm-hmm. uh, a summer movie cannot do well. Uh, there already has been a summer movie after Earth that actually bombed out, seemed A disaster, bomb out. Yeah. Uh, But it actually is doing pretty well overseas, huh. you know, and that has become the name of the game for the studios. Uh, they've made the calculation that Upwards of 60% of their returns on these movies are to come from outside territories, and I think that has had a huge impact. On the types of movies that that are being made and what we're seeing, how yeah.
1: so? How so? What types of movies are being made, and how have they figured out?
0: Sorry, uh, <laughs> Eric had a little
1: chair incident over My here. My chair got the better of me there. Sorry, are sorry, you okay? I didn't
0: mean to alarm anybody. I'm fine. Everything's okay over here. You all go ahead, talk amongst right. yourselves.
1: <laughs> so does it come down to we need to put some foreign characters in our movies? Are we going to see more Chinese, Chinese characters or? popping up?
2: No, I think it has to do with uh, well, uh, two things. One is, I think we're seeing uh, much more, many more visual effects, uh, CGI. That I think uh, translates better overseas than, say, a romantic comedy, Hmm. where where you have cultural differences. Sure. Uh, You ask the question, you know, why are all the summer movies, you know, full of all these huge explosions and everything, and. There it is. Uh, that's one reason is um, you know those visual effects uh, are much easier to uh, kind of uh a jump, a jump uh, some of those uh, language barriers, right? Than, of course, than of course. Uh, than maybe. But also a cultural comedy. understandings,
0: cultural understanding, exactly. Right, right. Like, uh, if your building blew up, your building blew up. That's kind of the if the bad guys are coming right. for you, you sort of get it. Sort of the basic morality play essence of almost an illiterate kind of. Yeah. And, and the other thing is studios not that ri- foreigners are illiterate, but because you're not counting on the, the, the shared literacy. Exactly,
2: right. exactly. And the other thing is studios really are under the gun to uh, combat piracy. They know that the minute that uh, they uh, release a movie, it's going to – pop, and sometimes even before, it's going to pop up online. Uh, People will be able to get the free download uh, of a movie that's still in the theaters. So their calculation is to minimize that risk. What we're going to do is release the movie at the same time worldwide. Hmm. They call it day and date releases. And you see a lot of those during the summer months and – uh, those big event pictures are the type of movies that will become exactly what it says, big events that can have
0: that huge opening. hmm Well now Ted, we've been talking about Christopher's already shared his favorite, mm-hmm. Jaws. Um yeah, no, no. I'm gonna talk about mine a little later on, but what what what's your sort of favorite summer movie? What's what's the
2: Well, this is gonna sound bizarre, but uh I remember the summer of nineteen seventy seven, which is a classic summer. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, the, the whole blockbuster was just getting it really going. Kind of was Jaws born right yeah, about was, then. Yeah, yeah Jaws uh, came just a couple years before that. Yeah. Movies changed dramatically. Everyone was lining up to see Star Wars, uh-huh. uh, and there was such hype about Star Wars. And I remember as a kid. Liking the Spy Who Loved Me better than Star Wars, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm very nostalgic to that James Bond movie. It was the first James Bond movie I had ever seen. Oh, and I just, I just took How to that old movie. Were you? I was uh, ten years old. Oh, okay. So, uh, it, uh, <laughs> so it's going to seem strange, okay. but for so really, nostalgia the first, yeah. reasons, the Spy Who Loved Me is was my favorite movie, Roger even Moore. even through that summer. So I was going to also so say, is that, that your
0: favorite Bond? Is Roger Moore your favorite Bond?
2: Uh, actually, you know what? The new guy really, Daniel is. Craig. I'm yeah. telling you, the new guy is really my yeah. favorite Bond. I mean, I think it they really, really perfect. Amazing! This it's a wonderful, franchise.
0: yeah the new the new take on it. I have to say, yeah. I I love Sean Connery and wonderful show movies like Diamonds Forever, but they were more camp. Mm-hmm. And certainly the Roger Moore era was all about
1: camp. That was kind of, the uh, scariest henchman of them all. Richard Kiley is Jaws <laughs> with yes, the that's metal teeth. Right. G- scared me so bad as a child. Back to <laughs> Jaws. It's a tie-in, but it's yeah. all about Jaws for yeah. you. Yeah, scarier than odd job, the guy with the hat that could cut your head off. C- absolutely. And I'm not got, sure how th- scary that really is. <laughs> I <laughs> thought that hat was scary. I don't want to have my head cut off well, by a hat. Having your head cut off is kind of a bad thing <laughs> I have to say though, the whole it,
2: that it, whole Roger it, Moore franchise got a little ridiculous by the time I you know, and he was I think he was sixty one years old, and I actually got the chance to interview Roger Moore. And I asked him because oh what God. I loved was when he, he went was skiing he was,
0: he was that he was James Bond that long.
2: He was that long, yes.
0: <laughs> he really held on to that franchise for
2: all that was worth. but i was uh, I interviewed him once, and I love the James Bond skiing sequences. And I asked him, listen, Uh, I told him, you know, those were my favorite parts, and he he said he didn't learn to ski until the last— (laughs) <laughs> the last Bond movie, the rest was all blue screen and stunt double. Just him standing on a thing yes, and leaning the, back
1: and forth. With a fan blowing in his hair. I love That's that. That's about I it. I love that. There's a James Bond skiing school where you can learn how to ski while people fire machine guns at you and then they blow up the slope right at the end and you have to live. <laughs> and it's, all done, yeah, it's all done in front of a blue screen. it's all done in front of a blue screen. Skiing in front of a blue screen. There actually
0: is that one Olympic event where people ski and shoot. I always think... That's really odd. <laughs>
1: what is this? I
0: don't know what it's called, but they actually – they have a gun and they're skiing and they fire at targets while they're skiing during the – I maybe dreamed this in a hallucinatory I, moment. You but honest God. to God, I really think that's the truth. We can look it up online during the break, but okay. I really think that there there is actually – that that's an actual Winter Olympics event I, and it's sort of like – Uh, Okay, I guess that's sort of Olympic. Uh, Are you confusing
2: this with the Saturday Night Live (laughs) Spider Savage uh, (laughs) skit? Uh, This is really going back. Wow, um. yeah, that's –
0: no, I'm not. I actually – it was Mm. one of those – it was this last round in Canada, the – Winter Olympics in Canada I paid a little the bit the Olympics more attention. that only
1: Eric watched so I'm intrigued by this whole internationalization of the summer movie season because I didn't know After Earth was doing well overseas it was such a disaster here why do you think it was such a disaster here there seemed to be and I'll lead you a little bit here a belief that it was a Scientology messaging movie, and a lot of the critics ganged up on it for that reason. Do you think that was founded? That could have had some impact on it, but it just it got
2: such bad reviews. It had bad buzz. Uh, I think the the moviegoer in the United States is really, you know, the, really attuned uh, now to what uh, the early word is about these movies. You mm-hmm. know, there's so much poured into marketing that there is a big awareness by the time that these movies uh, actually come out on opening weekend. It's not like people are just kind of discovering it. No, they have some advanced buzz, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, and they, they have an awareness even of, you know, whether something is good or not. And I'm sure that uh, there will be a lot of uh, postmortem on uh, could the marketing campaign have been better – uh, you know, which always happens whenever there's a bomb. It never seems to happen when there's a success, right? But um, the other thing is, and I think we're going to see at the end of the summer. There is a flood of uh, post-apocalyptic movies Mm -hmm. uh, that are out this summer. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, There's one this uh,
0: weekend, The the End or whatever, Seth Rogen. This is The
2: End, yes. This Uh, is The
0: End. Some are comedies, some are big budget. There are two comedies, right, about the end of the world this summer. I'm trying to remember the other one. There's Seth Rogen and then there's another one later in the summer. And I should know this. But it's this whole sort of obsession. Honestly, I couldn't sit through the – I couldn't sit through the trailer. It was one of those things, like I, I was reminded, I'm reminded of that C.J. Craig moment from... Uh, the
1: West Wing. From the West Wing mm-hmm. where
0: they the, they do the backstory, the flashback to where she's getting hired and she says to him, she's working in uh, marketing in Hollywood and she says <laughs> to a director, yeah, I could have helped you if your movies were unknown, but unfortunately your movies were just bad. I, <laughs> I really couldn't like it was one of those things where I looked at the trailer and thought, God, this just looks awful. Like I, I can't really blame marketing for the the fact that even in the trailer, with everything going for it. Plus I had seen that kid, um, the Will Smith's kid in that remake of
1: the Karate the Kid. The Karate
0: Kid, and he's terrible. He's yeah. a bad little actor. He's bad. Like, when you're that adorable and mm-hmm. young and have everything going for you and you still stink up this, the theater, you really need to, you know, work on your typing skills. Or and something. I think
1: I, that was the other thing. I think that people were really angry over that idea that this was a movie that Will Smith had given to his son. Far be it from me to comment on family nepotism in the entertainment industry, <laughs> but at the same time, um, it was looked out upon as a very expensive vanity project. And I think that coupled with the Scientology thing, I had people saying to me who actually worked at the studio, we don't know. We think maybe this is a Scientology piece because fear is a choice is a very popular Scientology motto. But that's also a popular motto with most New age spiritual belief systems. Fear is a choice, you know. So I, I don't know. All that is to say that that, I, that advanced word thing that you pointed out, you know, it, what it brought to mind were the movies that don't get advanced screenings for critics. Like yeah, is that always yeah. just a terrible yeah. sign? Do you That's guys look not at a that great as, sign? Oh, you know, because
2: go ahead. Absolutely not a great sign. That means uh, it essentially means that the studio. Uh, does not want to (laughs) we hate this and we think if anybody sees it we're going
1: to keep it a secret
2: and uh, you know and that means that the studio does not want to um, uh, further (laughs) diminish its chances at the box office by having
0: or uh, at least get really the opening weekend bump it, that they might get that uh, that critics could kill, I think. Sometimes it's like this is the only money we're going to make because as soon as people find out what a dog this is.
2: Well, that's the other thing is it used to be that um, that you would monitor the drop-off from weekend to weekend. Now you monitor the drop-off uh, from Friday, Friday to, to Saturday, Saturday right? Saturday to Sunday.
4: Just uh, amazing. Word
2: gets out very quickly. People get uh, social media. People – Get their opinions uh, out there. Rotten Tomato tomatoes. Tomatoes. Obviously, tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes, tomatoes yes. uh, obviously, they get the word out uh, mm-hmm. through that site, a very popular site. The other thing is, you know, it, look at how much it costs to go to a movie right now. I think people are a little more hesitant uh, mm. for their movie dollar. It's not
1: like it used to be, particularly with the 3D premium prices.
2: Exa- yeah, 3D premiums, and I think especially if it's a family, they're gonna they're gonna want to know mm-hmm. absolutely is this going to be a good movie and if it's something that they haven't heard a lot about they're more apt to
0: check uh, or if you're having to pick I -hmm. I honestly I look at the sort of the general sort of scatter shot and have like well this one I really want to see and there's this whole list of like this one I'd like to see in the theater and this one will be fine at home on my giant flat screen television because it's not in 3D and it's kind of a more intimate movie and I really wouldn't mind I'm already paying for HBO and Showtime and all of that and my Netflix membership and all of these are other ways for me to view Like, like I think at some level And then then there's just – summer. there's a lot out there. There's a lot of choices. So why on earth would I pick something that looks marginal or stinkery or isn't filled with people that I want to see? Yeah. I think those
1: technical considerations are very real. I think they've changed the way films are developed now in Hollywood. The features market has shrunk over the past few years because people are asking the question, uh, why isn't this on cable? And why would people be incentivized to go see this in a theater, as you're describing Right. Eric. I want a
0: big, fun event yeah. if I'm going to the movie theater. I, I want to have the whole experience. I love going to have lunch and see a summer matinee. I, I, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But, yeah, why wouldn't I want to see Pirates of the Caribbean as opposed to this the Seth Rogen picture this weekend? Like... I think that'll be fine on HBO after it tanks.
1: Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back here with Ted Johnson, senior editor, no longer deputy editor, at Variety. And more movie madness.
0: She was a very pretty young woman no one found attractive.
1: You might as well learn to type. "'cause despite the fact that you were the most attractive person in this movie,
4: you ain't never gonna get you a husband. Oh,
1: Mom. He
0: was just a regular guy who was really, really beautiful, even though he did absolutely nothing to earn the rippling abs and the artfully frosted hair in his rugged and thankless but heroic profession that no one but she appreciated.
1: I appreciate you. Let's eat another pizza and drink some more beer. Even though both of us are clearly underweight and haven't eaten anything like this in years. Together, they're
0: exactly the couple you'll pay $15 to see them become, while they completely warp your sense of love, romance, and your vaguest grip on reality. Go away. I'm not sure what I want, and so I'm just going to throw you away without even asking how you
1: really feel. I'll wait patiently while you behave like a premenstrual 13-year-old. And then I'll say something completely improbable like, you complete me. After I do some ridiculously unlikely romantic thing to convince you that you should give me a chance. Even though I'm prettier than you and such a catch, even straight men would probably accept my marriage proposal.
0: Theirs was a predictable romance that everyone saw coming, except the untalented studio hacks who keep greenlighting the same unmarketable warmed-over romantic crap that's been bombing at the box office for years. You complete me. A skywriter spelling out the first thing I ever said to you? Why would you do that after the way I've treated you? I have no idea. And neither will you when you see this most recent version of the same romantic comedy that we've been remaking since Billy Crystal was still young enough to be a romantic lead and you didn't hate meg ryan i have no idea movie critics are calling the feel-good movie of 1985 why did they make the same movie again this year i have no idea coming to a theater near you how did we get so lucky
1: i have no idea You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the player at our website www.thedinnerpartyshow.com This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party.
0: We're on for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's right, if you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week, until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these Encore presentations as well.
1: We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook.
0: Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking dinner party show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes.
1: For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website which allows you to stream or download complete episodes.
0: Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings.
1: For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting, Get All Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically.
0: At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress.
1: I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice. And we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Whatever you do, don't feed the hosts after midnight. And we're back with Ted Johnson, senior editor at Variety Magazine, and we're talking summer movie madness. We have World War Z yes. right coming out, which is maybe an also interesting anticipated summer movie to talk about because the story behind it is so dramatic. Um, I don't know if you're, if anyone's... The production? The, or the story of the production is... Really? It's like Charlie's Angels level intrigue of, oh my of God. what happened in this movie, and Ted jump in at any point. But um, Brad Pitt insisted that Mark Forrester be the director... Of the film. And Mark Forrester, aside from the tepidly reviewed Quantum of Solace, which was the James Bond film, I think two or three films back. Had never done an action movie of this size before, and the gossip from the set is that he just sort of mm. never got it. He never got on top of the production. Uh, it was kind of disastrous from the beginning. They went into production without a finished script, which I think is always a bad idea. <laughs> never a good idea as a writer.
2: And also, what you said about Mark Forrester, uh, this is uh, this is a problem for the entertainment industry because you want to. Uh, it, it, summer, summer box office has a tendency to look the same we see sequels we see all these apocalyptic movies uh, we see these reboots and what studios have resorted to is getting someone who may have a different point of view uh, and try to get that same kind of magic that Chris Nolan did for the Batman franchise, right. mm-hmm. uh, here was something who, someone who had a very different take Much more on a popular ter- character. Term. So I think that they, the studios try to do that. The risk they play is that not every
0: director – is a big event director. I, my favorite of this is is Brad Pitt's Mark personal marketing campaign. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. He's literally flying around the world and just showing up in screenings. For the wow. movie with t-shirts and to say hi thanks for seeing my movie <laughs> like like he was in five cities in two days in the united states he was then in overseas he's in wow. australia now and he's off to korea next like he's literally showing up like so when you go to the see the film you don't know if brad pitt will actually walk into the screening with I you i love that and he always <laughs> offers the audience if this isn't the most intense movie you see this summer we'll get, i'll give you your money back like
1: and who's gonna say no to brad pitt right right right. That's
0: genius. It's brilliant because yeah, he's the best thing genius. that the movie has going for it is Brad Pitt.
2: Now, it it has gotten some good reviews, believe it or not. Uh, but um, I have to say that is what producers should be doing. He's a producer on this yeah. movie. So, uh,
0: you know. Yeah, he has, it, yeah, a he lot has skin what, in this game. So he actually cares a, about the outcome.
2: A lot of, sometimes I sometimes I think that a lot of what Hollywood lacks uh, is the showman aspect, the people who are willing to go out there and really promote their movies to death Uh There tends to be a little more hesitation, not just from the actors, but. Uh, from the directors and the writers to actually get out there yeah. and, and, be, and believe in the project, the rather than it just being a paycheck stuff. of yes.
0: like this is something I actually care about. He says he made it for his kids. His his sons want love zombie movies, so he wanted to make a movie they could actually go and see. Right, that he was in that they might actually you know care about, and that's sort of a fun premise. I, is it a movie either of you want to see? I
1: absolutely want to see it. I'm a huge fan of apocalyptic movies. I'm not so crazy about the zombie thing, Ugh. but they appear to be weaponized hyperspace speed zombies they run which i think is really interesting and they're not showing their faces in any of the trailers so i'm not sure if they're going to be like walking dead style zombies but i love end of the world dramas i really do and so so i'll be there and i'm watching it very eagerly because a lot of times there's talk like this about a movie there was talk like this about titanic Remember, everyone thought Titanic was going to (laughs) sink. Pardon the pun. Those studios, and then they had spent so much money. Remember
0: when that was actually that budget? They had two studios had to co-produce to come up Mm -hmm. with the money to pay for Titanic, and now it's like, oh yeah, we spend that on TV commercials. Yeah, as I was looking over the 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 schedule, like really, the summer season starts in May. Like the summer movie season is we're halfway through it because as you look at the August schedule. It's really beginning the the more serious. A lot of the movies I want to see are coming in August, and they're the more serious, more the, sort of the fall Woody Allen movies. Movie, the, yeah. the Woody Allen movie is there. The the new Ryan Gosling picture. I the name escapes me right off the top of my head. The Prince Avalanche, which it looks like it's going to be sort of um, waiting for Godot with uh, Paul Rudd and uh, Emil Hirsch and. What's the new Ryan Gosling thing? Uh, like, there's still some summer uh, heat there. Lovelace is in August. Hmm. Um, a lot of really sort of more um, character-driven, more the, the kinds of movies we would traditionally think of as fall movies. It, it right. seems that the summer movie season
1: is from May to July, I guess is what I'm suggesting. Right, right. It gets earlier and earlier every year, doesn't it? Uh, well, it, it, it uh, it pretty much uh, I think
2: probably about ten years ago with Spider Man uh, having that first weekend in May uh, and doing phenomenal business uh, mm. it pretty much yeah that solidified that date as the opening yeah of we've summer. had some it gigantic really, hits already it hasn't really gone any earlier than that because then it's a hard it's harder to make the case when kids are still in school when they're definitely still in school right. and just done with right. spring break uh, for them to say well now we're starting the summer season. Season, uh, It's also expensive for the studios. You know, they uh, they put their best stuff uh, within these three months, uh, and uh, it's an ultra-competitive time period. Unbelievable
0: uh, calendars. Yeah, Sundays. Yeah. Although this weekend is practically nothing opens. It, that always surprises me in the middle of the summer when this weekend, the Seth Rogen picture. That's kind of it.
1: Right, right.
2: Well, and that is the thing is uh, – It's already enough of a problem for studios to have uh, these weekends when you'll have one or two mega-budget pictures opening on a weekend and then follow the next weekend by another mega-budget opening picture. For example, we're not even talking about Star Trek anymore. It opened just, what was it, two weeks ago?
0: It's all about the first weekend. Like there's no sense of a a movie's ability to have legs, as they used to call it. I don't know if they even use that term anymore, to stay in the theaters week after week, continuing to pull in maybe not giant numbers but good, solid, steady numbers and build up those big totals by continuing to play for – months and weeks, now it's like, oh, well, it didn't do big the first weekend, so and that's, that's it, it for them. Yeah, like,
1: totally. I, and I, it's so unfair, <laughs> for it, lack of a better word. It, it's almost it's, turned
0: into like a sporting event. It's right. like people who are not industry people get involved in the sort of the, well, I've had people at the grocery store say, I'm going to see so-and-so because I want them to beat the other movie, as though the box office totals were yeah. a competition between. <laughs> yes,
2: I know, which is right. totally like, bizarre. I, I know You're... it's a competition, but
0: not in that way. It's it's you know we're all competing for the entertainment dollars, but it's not like a sports victory where your score is bigger than your score. Right, right. You win, your team wins. Superman coming next week. Man of Steel. Oh my God, I can't wait to see. I I would pretty much see Henry Cavill in whatever. Um, format that he's available in. I think it's actually Cavill, but whatever. Henry. Variety
2: reviewed. Uh, our critic reviewed it. So-so uh, review. Thought that it was uh, a, a few too many explosions. It no was loud. such thing. Yeah. Really? No way. No a way. Superman so movie so with thing. too many. Explosions. <laughs> but I, I heard it was kind of a dark. A while
1: ago, I heard that I love dark, but I heard Nicky Fink saying that that it over delivers, which I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? It over delivers. <laughs> That's a
2: box. Office term if I've ever heard But listen, Zack wow. Snyder
1: has never been the critical darling at all. I love him. I love his movies. He's always him. deeply visual and over the top. This is uh, Superman,
2: the original Superman, the movie, uh, was not a summer movie. It was actually the Christmas season of 1978, and I still love that movie because I think it had kind of a heart to it, and it was... Uh, It had a humor to it uh, that didn't take itself so seriously. And I think that— It was a
0: comic book. As
2: much as the last Superman, Superman Returns, tried to kind of— refer to that original movie it just didn't have that refer <laughs> <It> Regurgitated. <laughs> kind of I regurgitated thought, yeah. but it just didn't have the chemistry for, <laughs> right. for a lot of reasons it just it I, the, fell flat they needed That's to hire thought.
0: actual writers There was yeah. a shame with the last Superman reboot because they didn't hire writers they hired these kids who had no track record and no real experience and it was some of the worst writing I've ever seen on the screen let alone for a movie of that you know where they spent that kind of money you it's all about the script uh, most movies i think fail because they don't
1: have respect for the writer because they don't yes. start with a good, solid script. And particularly superhero stories, in my opinion, are all about the script. And they're so, e- it's so easy to dismiss the script in that environment because you think, oh, it's just about their powers and it's about their... And it's not. And it's not. You know, like Greg Berlanti, the TV creator, and, and, and one of the guys behind the Green Lantern movie, which I didn't think was a very good movie, but Greg Berlanti's a smart guy and he said some smart things. He said that comic books were soap opera for straight guys. <laughs> and gay guys. He said they're a good actually, point. they it's were actually, they were soap a good opera point. for guys. And they're all about the moral dilemma at the center of the story and the moral struggle, the spiritual struggle of the hero. And that's, that's where your script delivers. And if your script doesn't deliver that, it's a pastiche of nothing, which is what that Superman movie was. Right. You have the to collage. start with
0: story. Movies are ultimately about storytelling. And if, if you don't do that, if you don't come up with a story that I want to know what happens next, then... The, the rest of it, as many billions of dollars as you spend on special effects and explosions, it's not going to make any difference.
2: And I actually would argue that I think you could make the case that CGI, uh, the availability of these effects to pretty much put on screen anything you possibly can imagine, right. has in a way hurt storytelling uh, because mm-hmm. uh, it's been too tempting. Yes. It's been too tempting to uh, up your game mm-hmm. each movie to try to top yourself mm-hmm. and that obscures the story or the emphasis uh, in production on the need for better storytelling right um, i think transformers was kind oh of my a, God. a moment for the industry because <gasps> it, was it unbelievable. proved that a movie that really didn't have a story None. could do really well people would go to the movie theater just to see a bunch of robots beat the hell out of each other I uh, The other movie that I'm looking forward to is a movie from Pedro Almodovar called I'm So Excited. Right. That uh, looks which like comes out such at the end bomb. of this month. What are you hearing uh, which about Which I think it? is – I haven't heard much about it at all. But it's him. Uh, yeah, but it's him. Uh, it's uh, – I love airplane movies of any type. Yes. So right. it's, set it's, a, it's, an a, it's set on an so, airplane.
1: I'm in. I'm an airplane nerd. Yes. so
2: I will watch it. Like them. a
0: particular flight, doesn't yes. it? Yes,
2: yes. So they, some people have already called it a comedy version of uh, Flight, the movie that came out last year <laughs> with Denzel Washington. I'm sure it's quite different from that, but that's another yes. movie that I'm looking forward to. Cool. I'm curious about Lone Ranger. Can't wait. I love Johnny like.
0: Depp so much. And again, the sort of the Henry Cavill factor with uh, the Winklevoss guy. The
2: oh, oh, oh. oh. Army Arm- Hammer. Army
0: Hammer. Oh, my God. Can watch him pretty much anywhere. So there's that that side of things the bimbo factor, the hembo, I guess we're calling it, the hembo factor. bimbo factor.
1: I am super excited about Pacific Rim. It is. I was a Godzilla freak when I was a child. Is that is, I it, a, is it a creature picture? It is a creature meets giant robots picture. The premise of oh, Pacific Rim. Oh my god! We may never get Christopher you, out in the theater. And it's three D. Uh, well, of course. And it's it's a what is some sort of dimensional wormhole opens up under the Pacific, and these giant monsters come out and begin attacking America. And so to fight them, we develop these giant robots, which have to be piloted by two people in a sort of virtual reality-like environment. Like kabuki
0: robots?
1: It is very like (laughs) that. I talk about a movie that's marketed to an international audience as well. It's very, a lot of Asian, a lot of sort of Godzilla, a lot of, uh, you know, international... I think any, that any this, word? well
2: I think this has a good shot at doing very well uh because of the presence of Guillermo del Toro right. the director on the movie uh he had uh, as a lot of people know had worked on bringing back Lord of the Rings uh for quite some time and uh spent a couple of years on that and then went on to this picture um uh but uh, it, you know <laughs> I uh, I hear the premise of it <laughs> And all, all okay. the respect, I hear the pre- premise of it, and I say, what are these pitch meetings like? Do, do any
1: of these guys sit around and <laughs> say, you know what? I'm an adult. <laughs> no. No, they I don't, don't think because they do. in a pitch meeting, no one is an adult. <laughs> That's You're supposed right. to be a 12-year-old child sitting in the front row of the local movie theater. What about the Wolverine guys? I'm not, in, I'm not impressed by the trailer. It looks real thin to me. I'm just wondering whether,
2: you know, at a certain point, some of these characters kind of...
0: When do uh, we get sick of they, this? How, yeah, when, when do you, we... we
2: get sick of it? You know, there is a, it may not seem like it, but I do think that there is a point where uh, you kind of max out on these characters and they have to retire them for a while and then right. wait a couple of years before bringing them Did back. Did you see Iron Man? I uh, The original? No, this the, one. This, no, this. I have not seen the most recent Christopher,
0: one. Christopher, you saw it, right? I did see it. Huge hit. But, like, it's it's a good question. Like, how many more Iron Mans are there? And then at what point do we get Iron Man fatigue? At what point does it become the spy who loved Iron Man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what
1: else? Uh, what's the uh, Elysium? Elysium. Uh, Elysium?
2: <laughs> Again, uh The garbage post- dump movie? Yes, another <laughs> Another post-apocalyptic thriller movie. So this will be the true test whether audiences are tired of seeing the world uh, get get its ass kicked uh, because this comes out in August. Or where everybody's
0: just filthy. That's always my problem. Everybody's just filthy in those movies. I I, I like for people to clean up a little bit. I guess the Jodie Foster crowd, the people living in the clouds. The people on Elysium. Will be neat and clean at least. I'll get some. There will be some relief from the – the garbage dump where they filmed it in Mexico City. All right, Tad. Well, thank, thank you so much you. for coming by and talking Ted about the movies. And I thank to you talk for about having me. A wonderful topic. time. Enjoy your summer movies. You too. Did we leave anything out? Did I we leave we out any movies everything. that you that you wanted to mention?
2: No, I think that's about We've it. We've covered it. I'm all? already. I'm already just uh, seeing a number of these. Just. Makes me a little bit
0: exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. A lot to choose from.
1: Well, thank you very much for returning to the Dinner Party Show, and we hope that you will come back very soon. Thank you.
3: In a time of war, in a faraway galaxy, ruled by an amazingly complex and incomprehensible cosmology that will need at least six films to make itself clear, he has arrived.
1: Our world
3: is dying. Our people are dying.
1: You, stranger, are our only hope for salvation. Uh, yeah. Why is that? I don't even know how I
3: got here. He was a lone man in amazing shape, but wholly unqualified to do anything besides look incredibly good with windblown hair. Who the hell are you people?
1: We are an amazingly good-looking, English-speaking alien race and you will save us from extinction at the hands of an amazingly bad-looking alien race that wants our planet. Why do they want your planet? It's a shithole that looks suspiciously like New Mexico in some parts and Northern Africa in others. Our world is too complicated for you to understand so soon. Good, can I go home? No, you must save us.
3: On Earth, he was a gas station employee with a goals membership, a bad attitude, and a shrewish ex-wife who never would have walked out on someone as good looking as him if this weren't a movie. But on this strange, desolate planet of amazingly attractive people in taffeta bathing suits, he has been chosen for no apparent reason to lead a revolution against an oppressive species of ugly aliens, all of whom have British accents.
0: I know, strange being, I will be late for Karanda, and it's follicle Day, so there's fresh cake.
1: How did I get picked for this savior gig? I-, I know nothing about this planet, or you people, or what the hell I'm doing here.
0: Arthur, we're going to be late.
1: Till
3: next time, strange being.
1: Wait, that doesn't answer my...
3: Here you have been chosen to be the one To save us for one reason Because you're hot I just don't
1: see how that qualifies me for this job
4: You're just like my father Who was killed in the first uprising Against the ugly aliens with British accents
1: How? I'm not related to you and I never met the guy But he was hot
4: too Here, watch this hopeful flashback
3: He is hot In a universe filled with the self-important myths and prophecies of unimportant people, all you really need to shape the fate of galaxies and fulfill those prophecies is to be really, really hot. Alright,
1: let me get this straight. Even though the only things I know how to do are pump gas and make protein shakes, You want me to stay here on your shithole planet and learn how to fire this ridiculously complex laser gun and fly this hovercraft over thousands of miles of desert to save a bunch of grubby looking orphan kids from a flesh-eating alien monster who sounds a lot like Angela Lansbury. And be my lover and rule as king. Lover? Ew, you're an alien. I'm an alien. Am I not beautiful? I think horses are beautiful still. Do you not love me? I love my dog, but, but not in that way, you know? What about destiny? What about speciation? I'm willing to overlook that without even so much as a mention, because you're hot.
3: This summer, take a journey to a faraway galaxy that is as superficial and obvious as the one you come from and join with a wholly unqualified hero with an amazing V-shaped back and a perfectly sculpted jaw as he battles a planet full of trite cliches with his shirt off. Why? Because he is In a universe filled with the self-important myths and prophecies of unimportant people, all you really need to shape the fate of galaxies and fulfill those prophecies is to be really, really hot.
4: everyone at the Dinner Party Show, I'm critic at large, Jordan Ampersand, and I love the movies. When I first started working for the Dinner Party Show, I thought critics only went to see movies. And then Angry Mouth Grumpy Pants, otherwise known as Eric Shaw Quinn, was all like, no, you have to do things besides seeing movies, like go to restaurants and don't get thrown out for being drunk, or go to the museum and don't just hang out in the gift shop stealing fun t-shirts in a boy size extra small. So finally, after months and months of not being able to talk about movies at all, except for my Star Trek Into Darkness review, which has gotten me all kinds of hate mail from nerds just because I didn't say Marmaduke Cotton Patch's name right or whatever. Anyway, I have finally been set free to talk Hollywood, so get ready, hookers. First, allow me to address the completely arbitrary and ridiculous distinction between real movies and porn. Is there a better coming-of-age story on film than William Higgins' The Young and the Hung? It's about a guy who goes around in a pickup truck and has all kinds of sex. This movie totally spoke to my experience, only without the truck. But apparently, mainstream America is all about celebrating movies in which people change something besides their position in bed. Anyway, this terrible injustice is too big for me to battle in one segment, so I leave it to you, fellow Americans. Okay. Since I knew I wasn't going to be able to talk about most of the movies I actually watch, I polled my closest friends and asked them which movies changed them into better people who watched more movies. I was pretty surprised by their answers. I started with my best friend, Fitzpatrick, who is going to be a totally important designer one day if he doesn't have a totally important overdose first. Anyway, he was all about some movie directed by a German guy who's dead. I think the guy's name was Raining Assbender, but I'm not sure. Anyway, it's called A Year with 13 Moons, and it's about this drag queen who's really quiet and boring, which kind of defeats the whole point of being a drag queen, right? I didn't get it. I turned it off finally because she was walking everywhere and I was like, take a cab, girl. Those are good shoes. Next, I called my friend, Black Lawrence Merriweather, who owns an ironic scarf store. And I asked him what his favorite movie was. And he was like, it's E.T. And I was like, what? What? That movie's horrible. A small Chinese man who can't talk right shows up in your backyard and you're so all about Asian stereotypes, you won't let him drive his own bike. That movie is so racist. Personally, I'm disappointed in black Lawrence Merriweather, who apparently fails to see that there are other races besides the white boys he wants to sleep with. I mean, there have been so many movies about how far black people have come. You know, movies like The Help, or Medea's Family Reunion, or Tyler Perry's Temptation, where everyone who's not monogamous gets HIV and decides never to have sex again. We have to recognize progress where it happens, and oh my god, stop with the emails already. Yes, he told us to call him Black Lawrence so it's not racist and shut up. So obviously since I can't talk about the porn movies that have really affected me deeply and because my best friends are either racist or high I had to make a decision for myself about what my favorite movie is. And the winner is drum roll, please <laughs> The Adventures of Milo and Otis. It's a movie I saw when I was a kid, and it's about a cat and a pug who become friends, and it's so awesome. If you don't believe me, take the word of film critic Diana Stetko, who writes, This tension between the permissible and the forbidden, between exterior and interior, between the illusion of freedom and captivity, between light and darkness, becomes the organizing principle of Bertolucci's spectacular epic. Okay, actually, she wrote that about The Last Emperor, which has a lot of good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. But my point is the same. It's a great movie about a dog and a cat having adventures. Where's my cat? Oh, she died at the white party. Okay, I don't want to be talking about movies or cats anymore. And Eric Shaw Quinn is making weird hand signals at me from the booth. So I'm going to go now before they try to suffocate me again with a fumigation tent. Goodbye, party people. This has been Jordan Ampersand, Critic at Large. Remember, porn movies are real movies, and I'm amazing.
1: Oh, well, oh
0: boy, once again, Jordan misses the point.
1: I don't know if he had a point to miss. E.T. is a racist film. I, I think
0: that kind of maybe it's like, did you see the same movie I, that I
1: saw? I don't know if he's seen the movie. I really don't. I, I don't, don't know see. if
0: he understood
1: what he I, was seeing. I don't seeing. know if this was the special to bring Jordan in on. I think maybe retail. I thought he did a good job at Gay Pride a few weeks ago. Once
0: again, I'm going to say, I didn't bring Jordan in okay. on any of about,
1: this. I don't want to talk about this. Okay, again. well, okay. you... I, Earlier in the show, we threatened to bring you our personal picks for our favorite summer movie of all time. And we asked to hear yours. Absolutely. And not this summer, but of all time. No. Yeah, our all-time favorite. What's your all-time favorite I summer movie? I huh? gave a brief presentation on Jaws, which, which was my pick. Everybody loves. Great choice. Absolutely. So, Eric, it is now your turn. I'm going to guess it's something British-ish. <laughs> a little or British adjacent. It's actually a Disney film, but I guess you could say that it's Please British. don't say Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
0: You know, I don't think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a Disney film. Really? I don't think so.
1: Good, good. I bet they're very happy about that. Uh, I don't
0: that. know. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. But I don't think that is actually. It was Dick Van Dyke, I think, maybe. I can't even remember. I, it doesn't make any difference. That's not what I picked. I. You know, my summer. My favorite summer movie is really sort of falling in love with summer movies. It was the moment that that happened. I... um. I'm. I don't know that I really ever think of myself as a Southern boy, but I am a boy who grew up in small towns in the South. Mm. Maybe a better description of me and we, Natchitoches, Louisiana, mm-hmm. is um, where we call home because we moved there twice. I don't know that We lived in a lot of places around the South and around the country uh, growing up, but for a good long while we lived in Natchitoches and we moved back there, um, and. Uh, it always amazes me that I was able. Like the school I went to was unair conditioned. I, I don't even know how that was. Christ. I don't even know how that was possible. Like I, I don't remember it seeming terrible, but it was not air conditioned. Like nothing was. Nothing was air conditioned. We had one air. We had two air conditioners in the house. One was in the kitchen, um, where we were forbidden to be during the day. Go out and play. Go out and play. Go out and play. Jesus. And the other was in mom and dad's bedroom, where we were forbidden to be. Pretty much in general, and then that was it. I actually it had, was
1: so busy in there. No, just oh. because
0: they didn't want kids running around their bedroom. I completely understand that. You know,
1: if We make me read my mom's porn. I get to make some jokes about your parents having sex. Sorry, Jeannie. Sorry, Ronald.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: <laughs> Dad says hello, Topher. <laughs>
0: Dad has decided to call Christopher Topher because Christopher hates it. So you want to piss Christopher off? Call (laughs) Call me Topher. Topher. Call him Topher. Um, Anyway. Anyway, so we were forbidden the air conditioning, but it was incredibly hot. We were in Louisiana. Yes.
1: I can't imagine it without air conditioning. You could hang up. I'm
0: not that old. The the Safeway was air conditioned. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to, like, I'm tired of all of this thing about how old I am. Um, The Safeway was air-conditioned, but they wouldn't let you stay that long. You could hang out in frozen foods until somebody, you know, and then they would run us out of the store. Boring. Um, Yeah, and not very exciting. And then I discovered the Cane River River movie theater. Mm. One of my favorite experiences to this day of seeing movies in the south is they didn't just have air conditioning, they had what they called refrigerated air. Mm. And if you as a grown-up, I can remember going into seeing a movie and you come out and it's so cold in the movie theater that while you can tell that it's hot outside, you can't actually feel it because your skin <laughs> is still so frozen from being in, so you have long enough to go get in your unbelievably hot car. Right, and get the air conditioner on and cool it off before you actually thaw out enough to really fully feel Mm -hmm. sort of like wearing a Mr. Freeze suit of armor Mm -hmm. anyway so you could I guess it must not I don't know how much it cost but it must not have been much because a dollar was a great deal of money at the time so it must have been a quarter or maybe 50 cents if I could come up with enough empty Coca-Cola bottles or something to come up with the the money I could spend the entire day in the Cane River Movie Theater.
1: Seeing in, the same movie In the air or conditioner, seeing, seeing, seeing the same movies.
0: movie over and wow. over and over. And the movie that it all began with was Mary Poppins. I saw Mary Poppins something like 27 times like over the course of I would just go in and stay there all day in the air conditioning whenever I could raise the money.
1: Now would they come through and make you pay again or would they? There was nobody in the theater. They didn't
0: care. Nobody ever said anything to me. It was never a question. I saw so many movies just dozens of times. I saw that. I saw 101 Dalmatians. Uh... Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, I saw uh, Fireball. Uh, Fireball. Yeah, what was that? It's a, it's a James Bond movie. Thunderball.
1: Thunderball.
0: <laughs> Thunderball, not Fireball. Thunderball. Um, I saw Bonnie and Clyde, which I probably shouldn't have. I saw. <laughs> I saw um, Born Free. I just a man called Flintstone, which was a, a feature length Flintstone movie about. Brad being the the double of some sort of spy or something some ridiculous. Wow. I mean, I would literally just go in and watch these movies over and, and there was the full movie plus features plus a cartoon. Mhm. Sometimes they would have these nature films from Disney where it would be you know the, that kind of country fad fad talking about and the and the the uh the mating ritual of the uh <laughs> the desert scorpion and they would play oh. like square dance music while the scorpions kind of not <laughs> scorpion very scorpion square educated, dance by the, Walt Disney the movie that started it all was Mary Poppins and then i got the soundtrack mm-hmm. um, of the movie and i learned every word and and it was really – sort of was the beginning of a love affair with the movies. I went in because there was air conditioning. Right. And I stayed because I fell in love with movies. And it wasn't even the summer the movie came out. It was So It was years later. They, we didn't, they didn't get first-run movies in Natchitoches back in 1802 or whenever I was young enough to be going to see this movie. But um, – but, but it was my experience. I right. saw the movie. It was the summertime and it was Mary Poppins. And Aww. that will always be my, um, my very, very, very favorite, that sort of in the dark. In the cool, Mm. in the, and to this day, I love to go to summer matinees more than summer nighttime movies because it's about Mm -hmm. taking refuge from the sun and the heat. Also, nobody is there, which is great. I love that. I fell in love with having the theaters empty. I did, yeah. That has persisted as well. Because
1: let me tell you something Eric Shaw Quinn does not like it when somebody in the movie theater turns on their cell phone screen. I
0: swear to God, I also don't like it when people bring their flashlight and shine it in other people's faces. Like, Mm -hmm. if you own a cell phone, um, it's. I'm happy for you, and please don't bring it to the movie theater mm-hmm. or don't turn it on when you're there. Right. I'm not interested.
1: Absolutely. So when there are less people there, there's a less, uh, lower chance of a fight between Eric Shaw Quinn and a crazy there's lady. There's
0: never a fight. I just say, please, could you not chime that in my face? That's
1: not what you said that one time. You were like, could you turn off your phone? And she did it. I was, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw Inception next to a woman who was texting the entire time, and I was sitting there wishing I had Eric Shaw Quinn's courage and bravado. Because she looked really dangerous. She looked really dangerous. Her nails were very long. She
0: was texting like a demon. It's the worst addiction in this country. It really is. Cell phones are our number one addiction problem
1: in this country. And maybe we will bitch about that on our next show coming up with Polly D. Excellent. Yes, we're doing a trade-off is what we're doing we're doing. Paulie D is the host of the popular internet radio show, Hello Paulie, which he hosts with his partner, his life partner. We aren't life partners, Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't know if you knew that. We're just I, best friends. But I
0: think we're pretty much stuck together for life. Yeah. It's just... As friends,
1: Yeah, but there's some stuff we don't do because, as you say, we'd probably get cracked up if we did it together. Oh, my God. It would be so, like, ridiculous. (laughs) Weird and kind of like incest. Put that away. (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't possibly. Uh, Right. But Pauly D. does not tell Ed to put that away, I hope. Cause I'm sure in a they have their moments. We can ask him that on the air next <laughs> we'll ask Sunday. ask him that next Sunday. They're going to be here. But before then, we're going to be on their show on Thursday, June 20th at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So if you
0: haven't gotten enough of us.
1: Yes, you'll get to hear us out of our element in somebody else's environment. It will be a live interview on L.A. Uh, Talk Radio. Which, incidentally, L.A. Talk Radio is where Tony Sweet got his start. It's kind
0: of what started all of this. It's, it's where we got right. inspired to do this to begin with. Uh, 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 Jimmy Palmieri also yes. does his show there. He does
1: his show there. Yeah. He, uh, there are a lot of shows that are done there. And we will be there in their studio in That's this joint beautiful San Fernando Valley uh, on Thursday, June 20th. And then after that, Paulie and Ed will be here on our show.
0: So you can find out what you forgot to ask on...
1: Thursday exactly exactly but in the meantime that's it for our summer movie madness special are you mad yet are you summer yet that didn't work no yeah no no so we won't do are it are you a movie yet no that <laughs> that's not it work. either let's just anyway, go with mad this has been another mad 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 episode of the dinner party show I'm Christopher Rice and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn and we'll see you back here next week thanks thanks